0: the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom.
1: Welcome back for another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. I'm here with Danny Smith, my co-host. We're glad you're joining us for this episode. Danny, it's good to have you back. You were on vacation last week with your family for spring break. Did y'all have a good trip?
0: We did. We had a great time, and, uh, you know, you need a vacation from the vacation, especially when you have, you know, three almost – teen, well, two teenagers and one almost teenager in a the car. They were super excited, no teenage gloom at all, no uh, – Ungratefulness anywhere along the way, so it was a lot of fun, tons of fun, but we had a great time. That's a good
1: thing. Out good way, good to get away with family, and it's almost a miracle that there's no teenage drama. If you have,
0: it, it really was. It was pretty good overall. We had a few times I almost stopped the car, and uh, maybe not too pastoral in moments, but uh, <laughs> anyway, do we'll that's another podcast for another time. So.
1: That's right. That's right. I'm glad, glad y'all were able to get away and do that, and I enjoyed. I was going to say this, but I enjoyed you being gone because I got to have a good visit with yeah, some of my co here. So it was a good—I enjoyed getting to do that. And that,
0: that was a way. great podcast. I hope people will go back and listen to that one. That was really fun to hear you guys talk about ministry and— you know you forget sometimes that uh some of the guys that you just walk through so much with are just an office down from you and especially in your case that y'all have served together so long there and just a really great uh, so i hope people will go back and listen to that
1: yeah they can go back and listen to it. we don't need to get to that much today because today we have a great guest with us i'm excited uh joining us uh miss kathy Litton is with us uh Miss Kathy, glad you are here uh, with us on Chair Two Leaders.
2: I'm happy to be here, guys. I've been looking forward to this.
1: Well, we're excited that you're here. And take just a few minutes and tell us a little bit about your story as a pastor's wife and uh, the process and how that worked for you and just your story.
2: Okay. All right. I'm really from the St. Louis, Missouri area, just south of the city. And... Uh, grew up in a typical middle class home. My dad was a public school administrator and I uh, prayed received Christ as a girl and was involved in a small Baptist church there and I met my future husband at a youth camp in Potosi, Missouri and yes it sounds as exotic as it can be in Potosi, Missouri. So uh, I married Rick Ferguson in 1976, we were both 19 years old and he had a call in his life to be a pastor and had started ministry full-time at 17 years old actually. So. Um, he finished college in St. Louis Seminary Southwestern. We moved back to Missouri, pastored there and then we moved to Denver in 1991 with our three small kids at that time. And um, Rick became the pastor of a downtown church there that uh, had really fallen on some hard times and had a 2000 seat auditorium with about 250 people rattling around inside of it. And it was a very, frightening frightening uh, call but we both felt very strongly that's what we we're supposed to do and God just did some amazing things guys in that church during that season and moved in powerful ways and Rick actually started planting churches out of Riverside in about 1994-1995 and really didn't know what he was doing and just kind of hammering through strategy and And yet, God bless that. We both had our eyes open with the secular nature of the West and the unreached peoples that were there. And so it was amazing time. Um, But then that life was really interrupted in 2002 when we were in a very, very dramatic car accident. And my husband Rick was killed in July of that year. And so I was a 45 year old widow and um, My world was obviously crushed and my future was uncertain and my my kids and I were struggling deeply with grief and loss and disappointment and and you know God navigated my heart through that and there were some very dark moments and I guess I realized that I'd never understood the depth of grief and the pain of all that and what it could do to a believer that was grounded, but it really disturbed my faith, but I also learned in that how faithful God is when we're wounded, when we're, uh, hurting, when we're confused, and the patience and the mercy and the truth of the word of God really got me back on track, and so, um, I left Denver three years after Rick's death and went on staff at a church, and I felt like God had another calling on my life. I didn't know what it was. I started going to Denver Seminary before this happened, trying to navigate what God might have for me. And I worked in full-time ministry for four years. And then I remarried another Baptist pastor, which isn't what everybody always does in this case. But I met a man named Lytton, who also lost his spouse in a car accident. And so uh, we were married in 2009, and I moved to the Deep South after being a Midwesterner and a Westerner, and so uh, That's how I got to Mobile, and then a couple of years into that I was hired by the North America Mission Board to be the director of planning spouse development and uh, It'll be ten years. I've been working at Nam this summer
1: Wow, so maybe you could say it this way uh, Why would you marry a pastor again?
2: You know what? A lot of pastor's wife asked me that question. Like, with incredulous, like, you did this twice. You did this twice. I don't know, because Ed would tell you guys, like, on our first date, he asked me if I wanted to marry a preacher again, and I said, no, not necessarily. (laughs) So, you know, it wasn't in the criterion, but um, you know what? God just uniquely wove our lives together i i don't know how else to say it and so here i am
0: yeah just to see god's hand at work and all that uh and and you alluded to those depths of grief and his faithfulness and just to work all this and i know i know firsthand a little bit from uh your role at nam my wife and i served in um, wyoming for four years and you know we left there um about two years ago. And, you know, during that season of having to leave, I was having some pretty severe health issues at the time. And so kind of came back closer to some family so that she could be cared for uh, and help and take care of me. But yeah, long story short, that that Denver, that Western area is such a challenge. And so, you know, just again, uniquely how God has just placed you uh, in that role to encourage wives and help them. And uh, yeah, and obviously, uh, the Lord knew that Baptist preachers needed your help, and so uh, just uh, kept you kept you in that fight, kept you in that battle, and so we, uh, we're appreciative of that. Yeah, so if... You would you married a
1: Baptist preacher again, you did it twice, so obviously it wasn't the most horrible experience that you had ever had in your whole life being a pastor's wife. I know it's tough, my mom was a pastor's wife, both my grandmothers were pastor's wives, my wife is a pastor's wife, and there are some struggles that go into just that role. How would you say, or from your experience, are some of the things that your husbands did well that made that a joy for you, or helped you grow and, and serve in those areas?
2: Well, I, tell, I mean, you know, I'm going to talk about two men on this broadcast, so just prepare yourself, but, uh, you know, both of my husbands have let me be me, and, um, and that is really one of the first steps that, you know, I've had men that honored who I was and didn't try to suggest or point me toward things where I didn't fit, where I didn't feel called, where I wasn't gifted. And so um, that is really a big deal for wives when they feel like that their husband is trying to push them into things where they don't belong and and uh, and that doesn't happen that often. But I just think a pastor's wife needs to be herself. and. Uh, We all do this really new uniquely. There is no cookie cutter mold. Now I'm old enough to have grown up in the generation where the pastor's wife in the back in the olden days was always expected to play the piano. And you know, I come from an athletic family. I played college sports. I was playing softball. I wasn't playing the piano. So, you know, that's, that's where Like Rick let me be myself and I worked out my life according to how I was wired but also how God was calling me to participate in the local church. And there's where we all do this differently too. You don't have to be the person that leads children's discipleship just because you're a pastor's wife. And I think finding your way by the power of the Holy Spirit pointing you how to use your gifts how to use your influence and leadership and I talk about influence and leadership with pastor's wives a lot guys and I think sometimes they're they perceive especially probably the ones my age that that really isn't their role as a leader and influencer but we are whether we like this idea or not uh, so I think it starts with being yourself and it starts to kind of just dis- you work through discovering I mean I was my husband had a full-time staff job, and I was a 19-year-old girl, do you know what I mean? And I wasn't mature enough emotionally or spiritually or anything else, but I did have a heart to serve. And over the years, I think God has fine-tuned how he can use me as a leader, as a teacher and discipleship. For a long time, it was young married couples in Denver. And now I'm working in the student area here. Uh, and so I think we find our own unique pathway that way. Um, and a pastor, my husband, both of them have cheered me on with all those things. Um, and I have deeply appreciated that.
0: Yeah, such a great, uh, great statement. I appreciate you sharing that. That's, uh, I think, something I've, I've tried to learn over the years. Of course, my wife's not on this podcast, so I can make it sound maybe better. But uh you know, my wife is much like you in that sense of um, she's super talented. She brings a lot to the table. But at the same time, uh, just learning to let her be who she is and a This church that I serve at now uh, has been such a sweet church to us. And when we were being interviewed and uh, through that whole process, um, you know, one of the things that um, she said, and she's very comfortable in her own skin. And uh, one thing that I try to reiterate as well is, uh, you know that um, if you're she would say if you're looking for somebody to uh, you know host a uh, you know a ladies tea she's probably not your girl you know and uh, if you have somebody that uh, wants to fill out a bracket with you and uh, do some stuff like that and she's you know gifted in a lot better ways than that but uh, just letting her be yourself. now to her defense she does play piano and when we were <laughs> kind of filling in uh, at places, her, her family's all musical. I can't even clap and sing at the same time, but they, uh, we were, I was preaching at a church and sure enough, they didn't have a piano player. So it was one of those instances. Uh, the guy was like, now Mr. Smith, brother Smith, uh, now does your wife play the piano? And I felt an elbow go into me. Uh, and she's like, it's not that I'm against it, but you better not volunteer me to play piano at places just cause I can. So I learned that pretty early not to do that.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I learned something from Jeff Org, the president of Gateway Seminary, and I've been using this quite a bit. And he talked about uh, pastor's life in particular, and he identified three different kinds of callings that a, a woman can have to the ministry. And one he called a supportive call, that there would be a pastor's wife who, um, Really doesn't feel a personal call, but she's fully supportive of her husband's call. And Jeff, Dr. Org talked about how that uh, while she felt no personal calling, she was fully behind his. And so Dr. Org called this the supportive call. Uh, the other call is a compatible call, that they both feel a call to ministry the husband and the wife. But the callings are very different. And he talked about himself where he preaches and teaches and write and leads that she does hospitality and she creates projects for kids ministry and she mentors. And so they're very different. That's what Jeff called the compatible call. But the third one is a shared call where both feel equally called and do more similar things where a wife may, you know, disciple and counsel people and she may be a part of a leadership team. She may be in conversations with with strategy. And frankly, with my work with church planning lives, many of them serve like this. And you guys could see how easily that can happen, that she's a sounding board on strategy and teams and all those things. But What I see in that, it gives a pastor's wife a unique birth to, we don't all have to have the exact same kind of call.
1: That's an interesting way of looking at that. We may dive into that in just a second. Now, when you're talking about different spouses and how you all operate differently, what are some of the maybe pitfalls that we need to make sure as leaders that we're, you know, for our wives and their care? Uh, in ministry and in the, everything that we need to avoid that you would, what are some of those pitfalls you would see?
2: Well, I think when a wife is overextending herself in a way, you know, there's where a man has the shepherd and the leader in the home. And there's been seasons that I didn't have a good filter for taking on too much. And you, you can lose sight if you have a heart to serve and you have a lot of energy, you can get a little over committed. And I think a husband can look into that. and and say this this is not a really healthy pace for you and have a he said i perceive that it may be this let's let's talk about that so i think looking for that um also you know there come seasons where a wife needs to pull back and and just say i need to take a break from something here maybe this has gotten you know, I've been in some things that I needed to step out of because I was keeping other leaders from stepping into it. And uh, I think the wisdom of a couple doing that together. um, And, you know, if she's unhappy in a place of service, and it's not a good fit together, they can identify this is dragging me down because I'm not supposed to be here. And in church plants, you know, there's where the planter can get really proactive to kind of she stepped into a spot because there was nobody there but i need to get somebody else in there now and so i think that covering and all that needs to be done mutually but i think a a pastor can't be passive on those areas
1: yeah that's that's good i know there's several times with my wife even I've just had to look at her and say, especially like on a Wednesday night, or sometimes occasionally on a Sunday night. I hope too many of the church members don't hear this and get mad. But I've just looked at her and said, "Why don't you just stay home tonight? You need to rest. You need to do something here for the home, for for your own. Why don't you not go tonight?" And you know, some people may frown on that, but I think we need the freedom to say that sometime that you can do some of these other things. You don't have to be at every single thing. I maybe have to as a leader in the church that you you can do some of these other things at times
2: no i think that's a really good word i mean sometimes you've heard that said before the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap i mean (laughs) sometimes that needs to happen and it's let's let's just be honest it's pure legalism that would drive us to that kind of framework that someone couldn't step you know step back from something just for their own spiritual and physical health you know
1: yeah, I think, though, a lot of times wives, and I know growing up, my mom, we grew up in, I was in smaller churches most of the time, but she felt that pressure to be there and to do all this and to make, uh, you know, a dozen dishes for the potluck and to be there and to, you know, greet everyone. And there's a lot of just pressure on those things that, that can weigh heavy week after week after week.
0: And, and one of the things, I, I you know, just to share your story, just to see, um, how your husbands have um, have helped over the years, you know, take that pressure off to be able to let you be yourself and to lead, and you know those callings that you talked about, and you know we can dive into this uh, just throughout uh, the podcast. But I, I know growing up, I didn't get real, I didn't get a lot of good examples of other stuff that pastors' wives could do. Being like you're saying, my mom, my dad was a pastor, and my mom. You know, same thing, you know, big open house at Christmas every year, and, and even my wife's family is a ministry family, so, uh, you know, we, we've we always, I would say, probably leaned towards number three, kind of um, uh, the uh, uh, shared call in the sense that, uh, you know, we both enjoy ministry together. I I think I can say with honesty that uh, we've never entered into a situation that we both just weren't in agreement about or, or left a situation, but yeah, I think sometimes maybe in that chair two and that chair one uh just being able to think now wait a minute the calling that god's put in my life is uh, i believe a calling he's putting in my wife's life it it may express itself like you said uh, that dr you know uh, jeff york said uh, in, in some different ways but instead of going okay honey this is my calling and i need you just to follow it that just leads to a really bad place i think personally and so um how how did your calling happen? I, I know you shared your story a little bit. Um, maybe talk about that calling a little bit in terms of, um, you know, here, you, you know, marrying another Baptist pastor, God just wasn't finished with you. And maybe just ex- talk about that calling a little bit more in terms of, of your own story.
2: Well, you know, when I was growing up in church in the sixties, I mean, you only, you only have one kind of call that a female could respond to in church and it was, The call to missions, you know, and not, not that that was the be all end all, but I'm just saying that was the only language we were using in that time. And I felt a call in my life. I had no idea what it was and didn't grow up in a pastor's home. Um, So God stirred in my heart and, um, and, and, you know, when, when Rick, when Rick died, I wondered what God had for me next. And here we are, living in a big city and um, make a long story short, I started going to the church where my, after I left Riverside, where I stayed there about a year after my husband died and I needed to make a change from my high school son at that time. And I went to this non-denominational church there and I started attending a single mom's Bible study, which was super painful, honestly. Mm. Uh, And in that time, and only the pastor's wife knew who I was she was one of the leaders it was a big church and my they had a Christian school my kids went to it was non denominational and at the end of the study one of the women came to me she didn't know me from Adam she had no idea and she said to me you and not a very sophisticated church person whatsoever said this to me like I don't know you but I feel like you need to work with women And I mean, that seems like a small thing, but for me at that point, trying to sort out what my next step was, God did put another call in my life and it was different. And I had another episode, my daughter, we were leaving, I was working for a company then and we had done a a picnic for the company and part of my job was to make all that happen. But, you know, young couples that just like I had been around at Riverside and leaving at my 22 year old daughter at that time said, mom, you know what? I used to think you did all this stuff because you were a pastor's wife, but I see that is really just who you are. And so God used those things as now a single woman trying to sort it all out. He was speaking to my heart primarily, but he was using some outside things to kind of guide my next step. And then when I was getting ready to go and staff at the church, when the pastor called me and I was planning to move and go to a Southern Baptist Seminary and this pastor said, I said, I don't know. I think I'm going to go to seminary. And, and I said, why? I said, well, so I could be ready to go into ministry. And he's like, I want to put you in ministry. <laughs> and so, you know, that, and then I ended up on staff there. So God freakishly opened up a door with someone that I didn't even know all that well. And so it was just his hand on my life. I don't know how else to say it.
1: And it's amazing how God just moves everybody in different different ways to get them where he needs them at that time. Now, if you were to say, you know, cause probably most of our listeners are the, the leader who's in that chair too. What would you say that would, you maybe know, top one or two things, do these things to love your spouse well, as they serve alongside you, whatever role they take to, to, to love them well, either at home or in ministry. What, what are some of those, just the big key takeaways?
2: i think because that and i you know we've been married 11 half years but we had to start over rebuilding a marriage together and go back to square one and i think where we have come of just some of that we call it the unsexy work of marriage we have a whole talk on this like just knowing and understanding one another but i mean when he sees i think validating his wife and just recognize like You have tremendous influence, babe. I see the influence that you have here. I see how, um, you know, people want to follow you. And I think affirming in her what he sees in her is really powerful. She may not see it in herself and i think also men need to be a very safe place for when a wife is struggling with something at church and so she feels like you know she does feel very isolated and you know some pastors have some staff often that they can relieve each other's burdens but i'm telling you a pastor's wife can really be isolated and he needs to be the one that can be willing to listen to frustrations Whether they're rational or not, that's not up to him to judge, but she can kind of unleash some of her own emotional journey in a safe place with him. And he will listen and just give her patience and grace in those times. Um, That was very important.
1: That's a good word, because while she may not be the one who is on the payroll and called specifically by the church, she's there in that battle and in the fight and in the trenches with him. Yeah. Um, so you need to listen to her now, kind of along those lines, your husband, uh, is being, a, is a candidate for the president of Southern Baptist convention this summer. Um, you know, did he involve you? You don't have to go into details, but did he involve you in that decision? Um, cause that's a pretty big responsibility if the God, if God is to open up those doors, um,
2: well, I tell you what, we were sitting in our house, minding our own business one evening in <laughs> December when this thing started coming at him through some, just a social media channel. And the next, the next day, the next day. And uh, i you could ask, I'm a very honest, straightforward person. And um, I was just watching it. And it was just kind of hard to not deny that there were others that really thought this was the pathway now that doesn't mean that it had to be ed's but i am watching this thing unfold and i think what happens with wives, we get to see what god's doing honestly see what god's doing and just to be frank we can tell maybe when our husbands are going off on their own uh power and you're like, whoa, big boy, let's come back over here. I think, I think you're kind of strangely, but we can also see when God is really using other people to call them out and to invite them in and, and you know the process of that. And so uh getting to watch that and hearing all the counsel and the words and the thought processes of others alongside with Ed's uh i began to believe slowly like i think god has put this call in his life and as we continue to pray about it and um you know it's it's one of those things that this is one of those things that a husband and wife totally need to be on the same page for especially in our environment that we're in today
1: that that's a that's a good thing it's it's interesting when you say that um we need those people who can speak into our lives and be honest and say hey You know, like you said, hey, wait a minute, big boy. (laughs) You know, who can who can call you and say, I don't think you're thinking about this the right way. So it's a valuable part of that ministry partnership.
0: You bet. Well, Miss Kathy, this has been such a great conversation. In fact, we've enjoyed it so much that uh, we're going to have a follow up podcast to talk, maybe even more in detail about kind of that uh, ongoing relationship of the pastor's wife to the chair too. I mean. We've had a lot of staff members pass through over the years, but my wife has been the constant in that for Ben as well. I know you as well, Kathy. And so thank you so much for joining us and sharing a little bit of your story, sharing a little bit about um, just that calling and how we can love um, our spouse as well. I think that's something we just constantly want to grow in so that we can be healthy churches. We can have um, just a healthy marriage. And so thanks for sharing that. You know, Ben, we, uh, we're blessed. We both married up and— uh, I met my wife at the place, uh, this college, that is also our sponsor at Central Baptist College. Did you meet Amy at CBC? We did. We did meet there at CBC. And so it's,
1: I don't know that the joke was always you can go there, you go there to get a a bachelor's degree and the girls go for an MRS. I don't know. I like it. I like it. Um, I don't know that that's the right way to say that these days, but... We, yeah, both, we both met right. our wives there, and it's worked out so far. But we are thankful to have CBC um, as a sponsor for this podcast, and they – want you to know if you need to complete a college degree but you don't think you have time the PACE degree completion program at CBC in Conway Arkansas has a proven in-class online or hybrid course format and multiple degrees to fit your busy schedule they understand that you can't quit your full-time job which is why they've developed this flexible format that has helped adults for over 20 years earn their degree while working full-time you can get started by visiting cbc.edu online you can apply for admission you can request a virtual meeting Meeting, they'll get in touch with you but check out central baptist college they'll help you accomplish what you want to do in ministry well, well miss kathy thank you for joining us today if somebody was wanting to connect with you how's the best way for them to do that uh
2: my email address is Litton at nam.net and so that'd be the best way to uh, reach out to me
1: all right. And you're also on some of the social media so they can follow you and, and track what you're doing there as well. Well, thanks for joining us for this week for Chair Two Leaders. Check with us next week. We'll be back visiting with Kathy Litton.
0: You've been listening to Chair Two Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair Two Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.